morning. You're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and you're listening to Mornings with Mubaraka, streaming live on newhavenindependent.org, as well as 103.5 FM on your radial dial in New Haven, Connecticut. You can also catch us on the New Haven Independent uh, Facebook page, Hey New Haven Independent, and Fit Muslima Facebook page and Instagram. Hey Insta people, hey Facebook people. Good morning. It is Wednesday morning and this is your Wednesday morning voice where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. And today we are talking about something just a tad bit different. Hopefully everybody can relate to the power of thought. And you can call in and give me your feedback, your comments. The number here is 203-872-7356 or 203-684-8907. Those are two numbers where you can call in, you can chime in on the conversation. So we're talking about the power of thought. How can, can your mind really change your circumstances? Can our mind change reality? But what exactly is reality? So that's an interesting question. So over the last few weeks, I've been doing a little bit of research and found some really, really interesting studies. And what came to me was the fact that, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you had people who would uh, study this obscure topic of metaphysics, right? And there was all of this talk, and, th- and they were considered the weirdos, the people that said your mind controlled everything. It controlled your body. It controlled your health. It controlled um, your reality. It controlled your success. And we kind of, or society kind of looked at them as weirdos, right? These people are talking about metaphysics and things that yeah, that are not tangible and there's no research around it. And then the researchers start saying, hmm, there may be something behind it. Let us start studying it. So now there are researchers who specialize in mind-body connection. There are researchers who uh, specialize in brain plasticity, right, to how our brain changes and based on what we do, based on how we think, based on um the, the things that we interact with in our environment, we have all of these really interesting studies, what, which brings to mind, maybe those metaphysics weren't so crazy after all, right? <laughs> but I have to admit, I am one who really enjoys research. I believe in traditional medicine, um, and I love when the research backs it up. So when we talk about whether or not our mind and our thought can really change, not just the way that we perceive things, because I think we've talked about this before on this show, how uh, the way that we perceive our environment, negative thought versus positive thought and the difference that it makes. Right. So we've talked about that before. But let's talk today and talk about a few research studies that actually shows how our brain responds and gives signals to our body. There is an actual physiological response based on what our brain perceives. 
So here is, and we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about uh, um, health and fitness. We're going to talk about uh, physical activity. We're going to talk about talents. Are those things actually uh, a natural part of who we are or can we develop those, right? So um, here, so here's one study. So they took to, so Harvard University did a study called the Piano Study. And what they did was they took two groups of people um, and they took one group and they had them to play the piano for three hours a day, right? Physically play the piano. The second group, they had them to sit in front of the piano, the piano and imagine that they were playing for the same length of time. So they were not physically touching the keys. They were actually in their mind, imagining that they were playing. After they finished the study, you know, they were doing this practice session, either real or imagined. They found that when they tested the efficiency of both groups, they were equal when they tested them initially, right? So they gave them a song to play and they said, play it. And their performance was equal. So people who just imagined practicing also got the same benefit as if they had practiced the whole time. Now, after three days, the people who imagined who imagined were still equivalent to people who had actually physically practiced. And after five days, People who had physically practiced did excel more than the people who had imagined their practice. However, once the people who imagined practice began to physically practice, they caught up really quickly. So that brought very interesting results. Like you can literally imagine doing a physical task and your brain records as if you had actually done it. And the reason that is, is researchers say, because when you visualize something and we're talking, you know, really visualize it, that you're actually doing it, it actually, it connects the same neurons in the brain as if you had physically done it. So that really was so fascinating to me when I first heard that study. I was like, that is like really, really cool. So what if, and, you know, because health and fitness is my first love, I'm thinking to myself, like, so, like, if you imagine exercising, <laughs> you know, I was going to go there, right? <laughs> if you imagine exercising, can you get the same results as somebody who actually physically exercise? Now, I guess this is a this is a good one for the lazy people. But people who really don't really like exercising. So here is interesting. You can't get the same results, but you can get some benefit. Really, really fascinating. You can get some benefit. So here is some research. So I'm not just talking off at the top of my head. There's actually been research around this. So they took one group. So another research, another Harvard, Harvard is, you know, Harvard is really going for these studies, right? So they took another group and they had them to do um, a finger exercise, right? Like physically moving their finger and you can actually like build muscle in your finger (laughs) 
Right. So they had one group to physically do a finger exercise every day. And they had the second group to imagine their finger moving. Right. Imagine it moving. They didn't physically do it, but they imagined do it. And do you know what? The group who physically did the finger exercise, the strength increased by 35%. The group who imagined they did not physically move their finger, their strength actually increased by 22%. How about that? That is really, really interesting. So if you, so what I take from a study like that is like, visualizing your success in everything that you do, even if it is something as simple as going to the gym, if you visualize it, that you will be more successful and you will actually increase your results. So I would love to see a follow-up study of people who physically done, have done the exercise and then compare them to people who imagine the success of the exercise and physically do the exercise. Wouldn't that be interesting? Could that multiply your results in any way when you are doing physical activity? And that would actually be really interesting. If you have a comment or a question, you can actually give me a call, call in and uh, tell me what you think about how the mind empowers your body. The numbers here is 203 eight seven two seven three five six or two zero three six eight four eight nine zero seven. So here is the physiology behind it. Our neurons in our brain actually connect when we do something, when we say something, and when we think, right? So we talked about on previous shows about when we think of something or when we speak a word. I always say that once it comes from your lips, once you say it, then you have already repeated it to yourself three times. One, you thought it because you were getting ready to say it, right? Number two, it physically crossed your lips. So you are touching each word. I don't believe words are just breath. They are physical manifestations of thought. And your ears are the closest thing to your mouth. So you hear it first. So we can't just say things and expect that we. So when we're when we're speaking from our mouth, we are not just projecting a word or a feeling or emotion onto somebody else. We are we have already internalized that thing. And that is the power of not just being positive, but also avoiding negativity, because We have a lot of people who are really, really positive, but they are also equally as negative, right? So it's not just about positivity. It's about avoiding negativity. Um, When we talk about, so there's a lot of really, really interesting, there's more interesting studies about this. But one of the things I do want to point out, because I'm going to get into the weight loss studies. So those are really, really fascinating as well. So. That was really interesting. Um, So when we think about a thing, the power of a thought, right? 
we are creating a mindset. What happens when we create a mindset? When we create a mindset, it literally means, and it's a, it's kind of like, um, you know, a cool word noun. You have money mindset and this type of mindset and that type of mindset. And people talk about it all the time. So what is a mindset? Your mindset is really the way that you perceive reality, right? So have you ever had a disagreement with somebody and you're having a disagreement and they are explaining a situation that happened between the two of you and how much it like hurt them or how they felt about it. And you remember the exact same thing, but in a totally different way. And you're like, really? <laughs> and Cause you're both, you both had your entire, your own reality as to what was going on because our, our belief, our perceptions and our thoughts. So it all starts with your thoughts. So your thoughts leads to your beliefs. Your beliefs lead to your behavior and your behavior leads to your reality, which also then in turns create more thoughts. So that cycle just repeats itself and repeats itself until you break it. So you have to either break your thoughts. Or break your behavior, right? Because your thoughts and your beliefs are connected, right? So you're not going to start just believing something opposite than what you're thinking in your brain. So the first thing is to is to change your thoughts. And your behavior leads to your reality. So you can change your behavior, which then reflects on the reality that you see in the world. So it's really interesting how we don't recognize kind of like the patterns that we are in, especially when we feel like life is not going correctly or even sometimes when life is going great, right? You have a great uh, time, your great um, quarter in your business, right? And you're just like, oh, I don't know what I've done to be this lucky, right? It's not luck. Look at your patterns of behavior and your patterns of thought and repeat it right? Rinse and repeat. You've had a good quarter in your business or um, a good month in your workouts and you've achieved your goal. Look at your pattern. What was your thoughts? How did that lead to your beliefs? How did that affect your behavior? And how did it change the reality? Because that actually also then creates the thoughts. So if you are successful, then you will be more successful. So one of the, the interesting um philosophies behind this is how to um, uh, um, how to use this philosophy in money management, right? So um, there are different ways in money management that the experts say, some people say, pay off all your big bills first and pay off or others say pay off all your small bills first. And the, ph the philosophy behind paying off all of the smallest bills first really is to create this cycle in a way that benefits you, right? So if you pay off a small bill and you're able to pay the entire thing off, you have had a taste of success. Wow, I no longer have this bill. I'm getting rid of the debt, right? That is going to give you confidence, your belief that being debt-free is a possibility. That is going to change your behavior, Right. It's going to change the way you're paying bills on time. You're remembering to pay bills. You're not charging as much on your credit card because it's going to change your behavior, 
which will change your reality, right? If you're not charging everything on your card, then you will have less debt, which is now going to change your, which now going to lead to thought that this is a possibility and you will have what we call self-efficacy, the belief that you can do it. You will be empowered, right? So that is really, really important. So that's a, that is actually, so now you see how the two connects, right? So when Dave Ramsey tells you to tackle the small debt first, that's why, because of that cycle, right? So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. You can catch us on Facebook and Instagram. And you're listening to Mornings with Mubarakah, and we are talking about the power of thought. So if we have the power of thought, right? If we have the power of thought, um, can it influence, like physically influence the way we think about weight? So the New Year's is coming up. Everybody is going to like try to start uh, losing weight and setting new goals. And that normally doesn't work for most people. New Year's resolutions really don't work. We do them every year, but they really don't work. When you set a physical resolution, I should say setting physical resolutions really doesn't work. (laughs) So the research actually shows when they like look at people who set New Year's resolutions, they set a resolution for weight loss at um, at the beginning of the year, January 1st. By February 1st, more than 50% of people have stopped trying to achieve the New Year's resolution. By March, like 85% of people have stopped trying to achieve their New Year's resolution. It only lasts for a little while. (laughs) But here's something that may actually help you to be a little bit more successful in your weight loss goals. And this was really, really fascinating because, you know, I'm always on the lookout on what does the latest research say about how people lose weight, how they maintain weight loss? What do we say? Because it's a it's a really interesting topic to me because we are learning so much about the human body and weight, but yet we are getting bigger as a nation, as a planet, Right. So obesity is not just an issue in America. It's an issue all around the world. (laughs) Um, So here is some really interesting studies. So they decided to find out. Right. They said. So they decided to find out if what you eat really affects. Does it matter that we're eating low fat or low sugar or. Uh, paleo or all of these different types like does it how does our mind influence whether or not it is the diet plan that we're following is going to be really effective so here is very very fascinating so they again harvard again they invited people to come in for milkshakes. They actually said, we're going to pay you $75 in order to drink a milkshake. Just drink two milkshakes. We're going to give you $75. But the other part of the study was they needed to drink the milkshake while having their blood taken, right? So what the researchers wanted to know is there's a hormone that's secreted in our body called ghrelin. And ghrelin actually is secreted when we, and it tells our brain that we are hungry, right? So what happens is 
When you get hungry, the ghrelin is secreted. It tells your brain that you're hungry. And, you know, long time ago when we had to go hunt for food, that was telling your brain, okay, now it's time to go and hunt for food. What it also does is it slows down your metabolism. So when ghrelin starts to be secreted, when you start being hungry, your metabolism actually slows down just in case you were a hunter and, you know, all of the buffalo was not in your plane. They were 100 miles away and you wasn't able to find anything. So the metabolism slows down so it can maintain your uh, your body weight in, in, in all its functions. Now, today, we obviously do not want that. We do not want <laughs> ghrelin to be secreted. So what they did was they brought people in and they gave them the nutritional information about the shake. Okay. All we want you to do is we want you to drink this shake. It's 140 calories. It's uh, low fat. It is low in carbohydrates. There's no sugar in it. And uh, we want you to drink it and we're going to test the ghrelin, right? So they had the people drink the drink and they tested the ghrelin. And as they expected, they started to, when you eat, your ghrelin drops, right? Okay, I have food. Their ghrelin dropped. All right, so they thought, okay, so that worked. So then they had them to come in a couple of weeks later and they said, okay, we, we need to redo the study. And this time we are actually going to give you an indulgence shake. It is 500 calories. It's lots of fat, but you deserve this. This is going to be delicious for you. We just need to see how your ghrelin and your body is going to respond from having all of these calories. And so they, the participants drunk the sh shake and as they expected, the ghrelin dropped. But when they had the indulgence shake, and if you can't see me, I'm making quotation signs. <laughs> When they had the indulgence shake, the ghrelin dropped twice as much as when they had the low-fat shake. But here is the fascinating thing. They were both the exact same thing. The participants just thought that they were eating something or drinking something that had more calories and more fat. So that got me to say, hmm... So you know how we, or I should say I, sometimes say complain that you have lots of low-fat stuff. And when you have low-fat stuff, it doesn't fill you up and, you know, you're hungry later. Is that because we perceive things as being low-fat as not being filling? So could you actually feel full off of a rice cake? <laughs> maybe <laughs> the study says maybe maybe that rice cake is what you actually you know you can imagine that it's a cookie and get the same effect mm, maybe but <laughs> and that's it it's really really interesting to me because it really shows how our brain controls more than just whether or not we can do math or what your IQ level is or <laughs> your brain really connects to we are not individual pieces. We are a whole, right? You are, we are a whole. We're not in, we're as human beings, 
sometimes we tend to think that we are somewhat like a puzzle, right? And all of the pieces fit exactly and one connects to another, but we really aren't a puzzle. Everything is much more interconnected than that. You can't take one piece out and say, okay, I have the whole just without that piece. It is going to affect the entire thing. So we are more like a knitted quilt, right? If you pull a string, it's going to pull other things. It may not take the whole quilt apart, but it's going to affect every other part of the quilt. If you have a comment or a question, you can give me a call at 203-872-7356 or 203-684-8907. We are talking about... Um, the power of thought. And yes, Zainab on Instagram, you can ask a question and I can read it on Instagram. <laughs> um, so the uh, and if you are on Instagram watching this, it is going to be available for 24 hours, but it stays on my Facebook page. So you can go to Facebook or you can go to New Haven Independent dot. Um, Facebook page and you can watch it there as well. So we are talking about the power of thought this morning on Mornings with Mubarakah and we are talking some very interesting studies. So maybe what we eat actually is hmm, what we can imagine. I would really love to see if the study can be done in reverse. So, so can you like imagine that an insomnia cookie is a rice cake and not really <laughs> now that would be really nice because <laughs> insomnia cookie got some good cookies. They do. <laughs> can you imagine if insomnia, I wonder if yeah, I got to now I got to do some more research. I need to know. I need to know, like, can I imagine if an insomnia cookie is a rice cake? Can I, like, not gain weight if I eat them? <laughs> that would be a really good study. I need to know. Researchers, please do this study. I need to know. <laughs> so <laughs> if you <laughs> are just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5. FM on your radio dial in New Haven, Connecticut. Stream also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org as well as the Fit Muslima page and Instagram and Facebook for New Haven Independent. We a little bit of everywhere, y'all. And this is Mornings with Mubarakah, which is every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. And today we are talking about the power of thought. And if you have a question or comment, you can give me a call at 203-872-7356 or 203-684-8907. But I got more. I have more research. I am research. Looking at research is like, it's kind of like a hobby of mine. I'm like, I just love, I'm not a researcher. But I love reading what the research says because my philosophy is we don't all have to smell the sour milk. You know how they say that, you know, when you when the milk is sour and somebody says, hey, smell this. Isn't it sour that everybody wants to smell it? Right. We know it's sour. We know it's going to be like, oh, but 
it's kind of like our nature of curiosity to go smell it. Mm -mm. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I don't. I believe you. I totally believe you. I trust you. I don't need to smell it. You think it's sour? It's sour. I do this with my kids all the time. They're like, mommy, is this any good? I'm like, I don't know. Did you smell it? I don't need to smell it. Your nose works just as well as mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yes, I think that the content of the cookie. So on Instagram, one comment is um, the content of the cookie also matters. Yes, it does. And I believe that it doesn't change the fact that it's chocolate chips and has eggs and sugar in it. You are absolutely right. Buddy, it would be really interesting to see if we had any mental capacity that could change that. And do we have mental capacity that can change weight loss? That would be interesting. We have a caller. Good Hello? morning, caller. Who am I speaking to this morning? Good morning. You're speaking to Hadia. Oh, Hadia, thank you for calling. What's your comment? My comment is I really appreciate your um, program that you did today and then also last week. It made me think about the fact that when I'm going to the gym and I feel like, oh, I'm doing a good job and I'm marking it on my calendar, what you made me come to the conclusion is that I really need to plan it ahead so it's an actual plan and that my calendar isn't reflecting what I chose to do that day. Um, and so I was wondering with that and trying to make a plan because I'm trying to lose about like 20 to 30 pounds, what are some things you suggest should be in that plan? Okay. So when you're mentally thinking about it. Absolutely. So here is, so that is a perfect segue into what we're going to talk. Thank you for calling Hadia. So for people who could not hear Hadia on Instagram or Facebook, she um, commented that the discussion today and, la and last week made her think about that when she getting when she's getting up and going to the gym um she, um she's been doing really well but she's thinking that it should be a plan and what should be in that plan to lose 20 or 30 pounds so today we're talking about the power of thought and the power of thought really does affect the your weight loss and your physical health so Part of that plan in today's theme is you're correct. You should plan it out. You should be very intentional, cognizant, and mentally prepare and, and imagine yourself actually achieving your goals. So when we looked at, um, so when the researchers actually looked at exercise, so this is, this is how they, they did the study about the power of thought and exercise and weight loss and reduction of blood pressure and things like that. So they got curious to find out if people actually exercise and lose weight and people who exercise and did not lose weight. And so they wanted to find people who exercise on a regular basis, but they did not realize they exercise, right? And so where they and so where they went was they went to um to hotel cleaning women, right? So if for hotel cleaning women, their job requires them to be on their feet eight hours a day, right? They actually surveyed over eight hundred of them and they asked them. Do you exercise on a regular basis? Now, these women are constantly moving eight hours a day. 
And believe it or not, a third of them said they do not exercise. (laughs) So they were like, okay, great. These are the people we want in our study. So they went, so they took the people who they wanted in their study, these people who actually exercise eight hours a day because they're constantly moving, they're moving, and it, it, it was the equivalent of what the Sergeant General, um, General um, um, considers exercise, right? So they went, so they took these one third and they said, um, how, they asked them again, like, do you, how much exercise do you get during the week? And a percentage of that one third, said zero right so again these are hotel cleaners who make beds and they walk eight hours straight and and many of them thought they did not exercise at all and so what they did was they took those who they took them and they split them into two groups and they took their weight they took their blood pressure and they told one group they said okay we're just going to weigh you and take your blood pressure again in a couple of weeks and the other group they set them down and they gave them a 15 minute presentation and they said you know you actually do exercise that you're you're moving for what the sergeant general considers to be suggestion for a active adult at least 30 minutes a day Um, and so they then had them to rethink their day as this is exercise for us. The group that was began to think that their activity in term that their work activity in terms of exercise, when they came back 12 weeks later and they measured them, they found that the group who actually <laughs> considered themselves exercisers now before they didn't, they had lost weight. Their activity level had not changed. Their diet had not changed. Nothing about their lifestyle had not changed, but they lost weight. Their blood pressure actually went down and they reported more job satisfaction. So they actually was now, you know, was happy, (laughs) right? Doing their same job. No change in anything else, just the what they were thinking about in terms of their activity actually helped them to lose weight, right? The other group who they did not give that 15-minute presentation, nothing changed. It was pretty much static with them, right? Their blood pressure didn't change much. Their weight did not change much. Their job satisfaction, uh, what they report as job satisfaction did not change. So the way that we think about our activity actually makes a really big difference. Not just getting in a mental mindset of the effectiveness of your workout itself, but really think about your entire day. So if you are thinking that, you know, I'm constantly moving, but this is just a part of my work, right? But or I'm constantly moving and you know what, this is actually going to help with my exercise goals. There's an additional study that they also did on um, on hotel cleaners, right? I guess that must be a very interesting population for researchers. They did do on hotel cleaners and what they did was they took half of them and they just gave them a Fitbit and they just, you know, that counts their, their, uh, their calories, the amount that they were burning, right? And the other half they didn't. 
So those who got the Fitbit or got the, the calorie counter and step counter, they were more conscious of their movement, right? So presumably for the study from their report, from their self-reported, their activity level did not change. But at the end of the study, they had actually lost weight. <laughs> so just being cognizant of your movement really helps in your weight loss attempts. And it's interesting. I'm very, very fascinating, fascinated by how the mind physically affects our body. We like not just the neurons that are connected when we do an activity, but the hormones that are released just from thinking a certain way. And that's why it's so important that we know the cycle of thought and perception leads to belief, leads to behavior, leads to action, because for being in that mental state of success, whether that's success in job, whether it's success in your relationship, whether it's success in your weight loss, keeping yourself in the mental state of visualizing your success and is actually going to change your reality because it changes your belief that leads to your behavior. So it's not like, so for going back, so circling back to the beginning of the show and, um, and uh, reflecting on, you know, this, this whole idea of, you know, if I speak it, it's going to come true. Right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't come true because there's a magical fairy in the universe that you can't see that's taking your words and turning it into reality, right? That it doesn't really work that way that there's this like, you know, the magic fairy that's, or the universe is, you know, we have this, we have this, this common, not we, but there is a common saying that says like, um, when you speak something, the universe will conspire uh, for you or against you. The universe really doesn't conspire. The universe is, is. It is, it just is, right? So it is not that something intangible is changing your reality. You actually, the reality, you're creating it. I think we have another caller. Good morning, caller. Who am I speaking to, and how has the power You're of speaking. thought affected your life? You are speaking. Sorry. Go ahead. You you are speaking to Teresa from Chicago. Teresa, welcome. Thank you for calling. What's your comment? Thank you for having me. Well, I believe very much that our minds are powerful, and I've had experiences of it with it a lot. Uh, as far as weight loss, uh, a wise teacher once told me, though, that what you lose, you can find again. <laughs> so she talked about actually not calling it weight loss, but calling it, I'm going to release some pounds or I'm going to release some weight. And I thought that perception was very wonderful. My question for you is this. I have lost weight. I have gotten into really positive cycles of eating habits where I've, you know, kind of gone low sugar. And I thought I could do this Sunday morning to be the one day I could have sugar. I can handle this. This is not bad, but I get out of that patterning and get back into the rat race and back into that sense of overeating. So my curiosity is I believe in this, 
But what happens to us, I'd love to hear research, when we, we go out of that and fall out of the patterning and why we continue to do that. That is a really good question. Thank you for calling, Teresa. So uh, Teresa's uh, Teresa's comment was she's in a really good place as far as her eating and exercise. And she allows herself a snack or a a sugar treat on Saturdays, but then she'll fall out of the pattern. And what does the research say about us falling out of the pattern? So that would be really interesting for me to do some um, research. some research on, but what I know so far about habits. So you know how they say it takes 21 days to create a habit. Mm, Actually, not really. One, we know that to create a habit, we need consistency, right? We need consistency. One of the things that I normally suggest for my clients when I first start training them is you don't get cheat days for the first 30 days. Like you just don't cheat, right? Stay consistent. Once you develop that pattern of consistency, then maybe after 30 days, depending on how honest you were with the process and with the plan, right? Maybe we can afford a cheat day. But consistency is the most important thing. You have to actually train your body how to you know, how to respond to healthier food options how to respond to exercise we know that when they did studies about research that everybody is different for when a habit actually sets in so what they did find that it did take a minimum of 21 days but it can take as much as 6 months for a habit to actually become a part of your behavior right So unconscious part of your behavior, sort of like, you know, driving to work. How many times do we get to to work or we go from work to school or or from work to school or from school to home? And you don't really remember (laughs) how you got there. You just knew where the turns were. Right. Because that's just a habitual behavior for you. Well, wanting eat exercise and wanting um our eating plan to be the same, to be that way, kind of like unconscious. You ever had those people and it's like, it becomes, it's like, wow, she just does it because, you know, that's just her behavior. And I want to have a consistent behavior like that. It is the consistency that makes the biggest difference. We know in habit creation, when they say, even if you don't feel like it, right? When they say fake it till you make it, that is actually true. You just keep doing it, going through the motions until it becomes a habit of behavior. And if you fall out of that habit, you go again, you start again, and you try to be consistent throughout that entire time. I am going to continue to look at other research about thought and behavior and how our mind actually manifests itself in creating our reality. Um, I'm going to leave you with this thought, that a thought is not only a thing. A thought is a thing that influences other things. And that is my last thought for the day. Thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Mornings with Mubaraka on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. And until next week, I'm reminding you to be a voice and not an echo.